everybody, and welcome to another episode of Book Goodies Author Podcast. Um, I'm your host, Deborah Carney, and today I have an author with me that has a pretty unique way of mar- that he marketed his, uh, was able to fund marketing his book. So um, I'd like to welcome Mike, Michael. Uh, Michael, how are you doing today? Hey, Deb, I'm good. How are you? Good. Why don't you tell the people who you are and what you do? My name is Mike Fournier. Uh, I guess if you want to Google my name, you should Google Michael T. Fournier, right? It's all about Google ability nowadays. <laughs> uh, let's see. My first novel came out in October on Three Rips Press, which is located in New York City. Uh, that novel is called Hidden Wheel. In 2007, I published a book called uh, Double Nickels on the Dime, which was part of the uh, Continuum Press, part of the Continuum Press 33 and a third series. Uh, and I'm working on my next novel. I just started a literary journal that's called Cabildo Quarterly. Uh, it's a literary broadsheet that comes out once every uh, three months. Yeah, there we go. Okay, what's the quarterly again? What's the name of it? Oh, it's called uh, Cabildo Quarterly, right? Um, my friends and I had this joke for a long time that we we're going to name our kids after defunct uh, department store chains in Massachusetts. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, so we'd be hanging out and we'd be like, damn it, Zayer, get your brother Bradley and your brother Leachmere and bring them inside from the rain. You know, they can't be playing out in the rain. And uh, my wife and I were walking around New Orleans. We went down there to do some work uh, in, in and around the Ninth Ward. And uh, we walked through Cabildo Square and we both looked at each other and we're like, damn it, Cabildo. So... Uh, we really like that word, Cabildo. So I like Cabildo it too. Word. Yeah, it's a good sounding word. It's fun. And and it catches people's attention. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think we're one of the. You know, like if you search Cabildo, even though I started the journal in May, mm-hmm. it's one of the. Uh, it's one of the top hits because it's such a weird word, which yeah. I didn't think of, but it, you know, it works out. Yep. Sometimes we're, I mean, remember how Google and Yahoo started out? Nobody knew what a Google was. And no one, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then Yahoo was something you yelled at the top of a mountain. It wasn't, you know, an everyday thing. So, um, all right. Well, now your current book that you're working on, well, actually, how did you get started as an author? What What was your trigger? Uh, I always wanted to do it since I was little. Uh, so I, I did fanzines. Uh, you know, I was, I was and am involved in the punk scene. I put out my own little magazines uh, in the 90s, and I decided uh, right about 2001 that I'd take a crack at a novel, which is what I always wanted to do, mm-hmm. and it was it was horrible, right? Um, <laughs> I found out that part of my process is writing a horrible first draft and then worrying about it for six months. Um, I just didn't know that was part of my process until... And you didn't realize that everybody else goes through their process, too. <laughs> No, I thought everyone was really productive and like was way more disciplined than I am, you know. So I, uh, I kind of put it away for a little while, right? And mm-hmm. uh, then in 2007, I uh, I pitched the uh, 33 to third series, which basically is the the writer gets to write about their favorite record of all time, however they want to do it. Um, okay. So this punk band called the Minutemen put out a record uh, named Double Nickels on the Dime in 1984. And it's a double album. Uh, it's got 40-some-odd songs on it. Uh, so I got in touch with uh, Mike Watt, who played bass for that band. And I, I went out to San Pedro, California, where he lives. And we hung out, and I asked him questions. I interviewed him, and uh, 
I interviewed other people who were around the scene as well. So that came out, and then I got into grad school because of that book, I think, at University of Maine. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I, like, apparently, they'll pay you to go to grad school, which I didn't know. <laughs> it's always really, a nice surprise. Yeah, I was a bad student. You know, like, I was, I majored in, like, smoking cigarettes and chasing girls mm-hmm. uh, in undergrad. Um, I met this guy, Dave Kress, up here at University of Maine, who's a novelist, and uh I worked with him, and I, uh, I wrote this novel, Hidden Wheel. And then when it came time to put that out, uh, I wanted to tour on it because I, I came up in the punk scene. Except no one buys books anymore. You know? No one, like, the book market is getting smaller, and, uh, you know, everyone's switching over to Kindle, which kind of yeah. I, I have trouble with. I like the artifact aspect of it. Mm-hmm. So I pre-sold copies of my book, with goodies, you know, with uh, t-shirts or whatever. And then that funded the tour that my wife and I did this summer in the east uh, east coast of the United States. And then I did a West Coast tour with that same money in March. Okay, so let's back up a bit and tell people how you did that. You went to, you found a site called Kickstarter. How would you, who turned you on to that? Uh, I'm not really sure. You know, it was just like... It was one of those things that kept popping up in people's Facebook feeds, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, you know, like, hey, uh, what Kickstarter is, is it's a platform to uh, to raise money for projects that you're working on, but you might not have enough money to put out at the moment. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like, documentary filmmakers make movies. Um, my buddy Christian Sager is one of the first people I met who actually used it successfully. He put out a a comic series called uh, Think of the Children, right? Mm-hmm. Which is a, uh, it's this really cool, like, 1950s uh, McCarthy Trials horror mystery comic. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's a comic with a twist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's great. He's, he's working with some uh, some new stuff right now, actually. So if you go to Kickstarter and, and search Christian Sager, he's doing his next comic series now. So, you know, it's like, uh, it's really cool, you know, because it, it lets uh, the word, I guess the verb is crowdsourcing. Right? Mm-hmm. You got uh, to hit up all your friends and see if they'll pay for your thing in advance. So I, uh, I did that. I just, I used Facebook. Um, I tried to raise $2,500 tour for, uh, for essentially like a month and a half. And then right. I wound up doing better than I thought. And I, I made $3,000 doing that. Awesome. That is really cool. Um, I actually know of a punk rock band that uh, funded their album that they're working on currently, um, and they initially asked for like eight thousand dollars, and they ended up with like twenty five thousand dollars. So oh, wow. they had a much bigger fan base than even they knew about. <laughs> what so, band was it? Um, it's the Dolly Rots. They are a band out of L.A. Um, it's a female lead singer, Kelly Ogden, and um, Lewis is on uh, guitar, and they just got a new drummer, Alicia. And they basically, you know, started the project and gave away cool goodies, and, and they were able to fund their project, and it's almost complete now. You know, they give us regular updates and little bonus videos and audios. So I like the way Kickstarter allows you to be able to communicate with the people that um, donated money to you. It isn't just, you know, somebody throws money in and you don't know who they are. They can do it anonymously, but, you know, you 
give them incentives to donate. So, you know, and the incentives obviously cost less than the, the amount of money that, that they donated. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a very good idea. Um, but I did have an author that was turned down by Kickstarter to write a book. And what, so that's why I'm, um, I like the idea that you used it to fund your book tour. He went on to crowdsource his book himself by putting, you know, buttons on his sponsorships that were available right on his own website. So he, um, he did it a different way and he raised quite a lot of money, but I like that they funded your book tour. That's something that maybe our readers, our listeners can, um, you know, go over there and hop on and see if they can get a tour funded that way as well. Yeah, I think uh, the whole tour aspect of it makes a lot of sense. You know, it's um, hopefully, you know, hopefully there's a, a couple people, two or three people in every town who will take a chance or alternately, um, if you know people in a town, see if you can stay on their futon and then... Mm-hmm see if they can invite a couple of their friends over, which mm-hmm. is how basically I, uh, I did this tour. Um, okay. We went to, I'm trying to think if there are any cities that I went to where I didn't actually know anybody. I think Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, I didn't know anybody when I read there. Mm-hmm. But then all the other places, um, I either had friends or relatives or both. And, you know, my friends were all, and my relatives were all like, oh, this, you know, like my, my idiot friend is in town with his wife and and their books so come out so <laughs> you know I met a whole bunch of people and it was great and uh, you know I made friends and I got to catch up with everybody so now the the challenge is to you know write faster <laughs> so right. I can keep touring so I can keep doing this yeah I like that so you didn't go to bookstores on this tour you went and just like had um, home parties a little bit of both yeah like, there a, was, like uh, a Mary Kay of a book tour <laughs> It's you know I think that model makes a lot of sense. Uh, yeah. You know because like if you know if you come to a town like if you go visit your friends in you know Boise or something like that your friends will be like oh you're in town let's have a party. Mm-hmm. It's like that just with books or you know with paintings or with a band if the neighbors are cool or or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, with that said, I read in bookstores in uh, let's see. Brooklyn, right? Book Thug Nation is a really good bookstore in Brooklyn. Uh, Aaron Comet Bus, who's a fanzine writer that I love, right? He's one of my favorite writers, co-owns that store, so I read there. Uh, Atomic Books in Baltimore was really nice to me in 2007. They continue to be really nice to me now. Uh, I read at a bookstore called The Regulator in Durham, North Carolina, but there were some house parties and there were some basements and show spaces and stuff like that as well and that makes it more fun I think well yeah because you're reaching a different audience than who would normally just walk into a store you know and and you know you're going to have some people around instead of being I had one lady tell me that she prefers online book tours to in person book tours because you'd be sitting there all day and one person would come over and you know talk to you because you know you just weren't a known entity then <laughs> that sounds like my experience in Harrisburg. Yeah, one person comes up and oh, you've got a book. Oh, is it free? Here, I'll. St- <laughs> no, buy it first. Um, the other thing that I heard of people doing that was quite interesting was doing a book tour for an, ele- an electronic book. Now, I understand that you prefer print books, and there still are a lot of people that do. 
but I was I was like, how do you do a book tour for an electronic book? And what they did is they signed a card, and the card had the QR code to go buy the book. So you got the signature, and they didn't they had no physical anything. And um, and they did it at a library, which is nice because it doesn't take up much space, and there's no cash changing hands, and you know you can do it anywhere. That's a really good idea. Uh, I was hoping that my I recorded an audio book, mm-hmm. uh, and I was hoping that I would have all that that material edited down by the time I went on tour. But mm-hmm. I just I ran out of time, you know. Uh, right. With with that said, though, I think that's a really cool idea to or the ebook. I think uh, a lot of authors are converting their stuff over to ebooks now, so that would give people a chance to, you know, kind of do like the greatest hits tour with their older books. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a great idea, and I I still have a lot of feedback from people, and of course, there's the you know the independent bookstores all over the country that don't want everybody going to ebooks. Um, there are still a large number of people that still want to hold a physical book in their hand. And my philosophy is that I have, um, I'm a photographer, so I have photography books, which are all full color. Now, in the past, to print a full color book costs a lot of money. (laughs) You know, it would be like 50 bucks for a 20-page book. Um, and with the advent of the color Kindle and the Nook and all of the Kindle apps that people can put on their computers, I offer the books as both a Kindle book and a print book. And then that way, if they buy the Kindle book and they decide they like it enough that they want the print book, they can, they have the best of both worlds. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Discord Records is this uh, record label out of uh, Washington, D.C. that's been putting out all these punk records for years. And in the 80s and 90s, the record industry started converting over from vinyl first to cassette and then to compact disc. Right. And the guy, Ian McKay, who owns that label, has always said, um, you know, if people want this format, that format should be made available even if it's not. Yep, exactly. Even if, like vinyl's better you know so um my publisher is working on formatting an ebook for me that's going to include uh music clips from my band as well so you touch uh you touch a keyword and like pop-up videos of the band show up and play for you that's really exciting do you know where he's going to publish it through uh i i think they're going to try and do all the platforms okay that'll be interesting because i had approached kdp Um, because I do have some videos and some things that I would like to embed in some of my books. And I know some people are doing it. I know the Apple platform allows people to do it, but there's some ownership issues with that. So I'm not touching that yet. Um, But when I asked KDP about someone whose book I saw that that was, you know, they had multimedia in their book and they said that that was coming soon. And I think that might be part of why the Kindle now supports HTML5. Oh, okay. That makes sense. That that suddenly does make sense. I wasn't I wasn't sure what the advantages would be and now I think those are the advantages are going to be that uh, you can embed audio and video into a text document. It's going to be really fun. Yeah. Um, I can't my... wait to hear yours. That one I'll, I'll be first in line to get one of those. 
<laughs> Thank you. In my book, there's a, a fictional punk band from the 80s called Dead Trent. I invented the town, uh, and then I invented all the bands from that town. Mm-hmm. So uh, Dead Trent started in 1986. So like every punk band in 1986, they're singing about like hating Reagan and yep. Chernobyl and all, you know all those all those 80s tropes, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so last summer, some friends and I started that band, and I wrote all the songs as if it was 1986. Nice. <laughs> so we play all these, like, We Hate Reagan, Chernobyl Happened, and We're Sad About That, the Challenger Blew Up songs. And uh, we recorded a record, as it turns out, and uh, we continue to play, but we're always 25 years behind. So now it's 87, so we're doing, okay. like... Noriega and Iran Contra and stuff like that. And is your audio available on like Amazon or anywhere, or you only have your own versions of it available on vinyl or CD? Uh, there's a label in Baltimore that's going to put out a, a seven-inch uh, single sometime soon, and then uh, Dead Trend is the name of the band, so it's deadtrend.bandcamp.com. You can get our uh, you can get our single our seven song seven minute long single okay say that again dead trend deadtrend.bandcamp.com bandcamp okay so lunch lady is the hot summer jam of 2012 nice I'm writing this down but um, after our podcast if you could uh, send me some links to that I'll make sure they get in the show notes that'll be that'll be fun because you know one thing about us creative people is that we're not only creative in one way you know a lot of writers can do a lot more than just write and I don't want to say that in a negative way that just writing isn't enough but um, you know like I have friends that are photographers and I expected their first book to be a photography book and their first book was a poetry book and I'm like but you're an analytics guy how do you write poetry you like overanalyze like everything (laughs) And where did this come out of your head? Um, so the idea of being able to blend uh, music and video or whatever into um, books, I think, is what's going to set the electronic books apart from the print books. Because now you have something you can do that you can't do in a print book. Right, yeah. And just, like, from the, the writerly perspective, you know, I get up and, like, make a pot of coffee and chain myself to my desk and, you know, bang stuff out every day. And then, uh, you know, I tell my, I keep my wife up to date, you know, she gets kind of the dailies as to what's going on. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, all that time by myself, uh, is offset really well by playing music with people and collaborating. That's really good because that's how you get new ideas. Like you said, you're in the band and you're doing stuff and all of a sudden you hear, you hear in your head, um, the lyrics for a song and also a chapter in the book. So yeah. you get to you get to play both sides of the coin. We we could say. Are you going to include the lyrics in the book, or is that just available? Will that be available at any point? Uh, there's. Um, we think some of the song titles are in the book and. Uh, if you download the record, I, I did a lyric sheet. Okay. There's like a there's a fake shout out list, you know. Like I went through and I picked out all these bands from 1986 that Dead Trans supposedly played with. Um, <laughs> in the book, there's some fake show flyers as well. So you know, um, 
they play with like nice. Operation Ivy and stuff like that. So, nice. Yeah, it's a fun time. I like to hear from authors that have fun with what they're doing and that um, stretch themselves out of the box. On um, on the Food Network this year, there's a, a show, The Next Food Network Star, and there is a young man that's, I don't know, probably 21 or 22. I don't pay attention to the bios that much. I just know he's the youngest one on the show. And... One of the comments last week on what he prepared uh, for a dish, um, one of the comments was he really thinks out of, outside of the box, and his mentor says, I don't think he knows there is a box. Oh, there you go. <laughs> one of the best Elton, Elton Brown quotes ever. I, I don't think he knows there is a box. So... And that's what authors need to be doing. You need to be pushing the envelope, trying things like Kickstarter that were really... Kickstarter actually was made for bands. I mean, that's that's how it started, was, you know, for bands to help them get funding. And I like to see that other people are using it for other purposes as well. And, you know, maybe we can stretch the boundaries a little bit and, you know, which you've done. I think one of the benefits of Kickstarter and, you know, like uh, crowdsourcing in general is that, you know, um, everybody has a project at this point and because of, uh, because of Facebook and because of Twitter and all the social media platforms, um, everyone has a chance to have their voice out there. So everyone's voice gets lost in sort of the yeah. cacophony of voices, you know? Yeah. So with Kickstarter, uh, having a deadline and a, a monetary goal made things I think maybe a little bit more urgent yeah. than they might have been otherwise because um, if it was just like hey guys I put this book out my you know like my friends would have been like oh that's nice I'll pick it up eventually yeah but but like hey I have 30 days to raise this, raise this money kind of ups the stakes a little bit mm-hmm. well and the other thing too is you're guaranteeing yourself an audience Everybody who's invested in you, yeah, they're going to get a they're going to get a copy of the book. They're going to get some perk, you know, based on their sponsorship level. But then they're going to be feeling like they were a part of the process, and then they're going to go be your evangelist, you know, talking to you, to their friends and selling your book to other people and saying, "Hey, how cool is Michael for what he did?" You know, and um, you ought to read his book. It's really cool. And you know we got we got the sneak peeks, and there's going to be music on this book. Can you imagine? So, oh my God, I just had a thought. I read the Steven Tyler autobiography, uh-huh. and if he had put music clips in, into that book, it would have been even more wild than it already was. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense, uh, uh, I, and I think that you know, like you're saying, with uh, with HTML5 being in. Uh, being in the new iPads, uh, I think that's going to become standard practice that all yep. books will have a multimedia aspect. So it's going to, uh, you know, authors are going to have to either hire somebody to do that or come up with ideas. So yep. it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. What's really cool about the age that we live in, I know we've got economic challenges and whatever, but um, the my main industry is the affiliate marketing industry, which has only been around for you know fifteen to eighteen years, and the um, what we're seeing now with the book publishing business is kind of the same thing. 
you're pushing out of the traditionally and and with music too you're you're pushing away from labels and publishers and you're pushing into um, creating new jobs like you said now there's going to be a new job for someone who knows how to do audio and visual and use html5 to embed it into a book so we're actually creating jobs out of a need and out of new technology that's out there. Right, yeah, it's, it's getting to the point now where um, it seems like people are just going to skip reading to an extent and just go to other content providers to find out about stuff. I'm noticing that with, with record criticism. Like, mm-hmm. I meet these kids at parties that want to tell me about, you know, like some obscure noise rock band or something. They want to talk about, like, Swans or something like this, and uh, I, I'm starting to get the feeling that instead of spending time with the records, they're just reading the criticism of the records instead. You know, that's it's, an interesting point. Yeah, it's weird. So you know, if uh, if book, you know, like literary criticism, if, if it's going that way, and there's embedded messages in the book, not subliminal messages, but like embedded content like that, mm-hmm. that's that's going to be much more immediate and much more memorable in some ways than the book itself, which is really weird to think about because, you know, like the book as a platform for a video mm-hmm. is something that would have never happened before, but now there's that possibility. Um, and along that line, but a little bit of a segue, did you create any book trailers, video trailers for your book? I did, yeah. I uh, I made it. I I don't really have much uh, in the way of computer skills, uh, so I just like I used the software that was uh, that came with my computer, mm-hmm. and I I kind of ripped off Ken Burns a lot. You know, like there's those like Ken Burns fades where you have an <laughs> image you move. Um, so I I did a lot of that. There's I think both of those. I did an early one which is in my Kickstarter page. And then there's a uh, there's another one that's uh, that's just up on YouTube right now. That's awesome because YouTube, if you use YouTube correctly, and I'll go check out your YouTube page. And if you're not, if you're doing something wrong, I'll let you know. Um, you can really drive a lot of traffic, especially if you use the right keywords when you're talking about you know what's in your video. Um, there's a lot of advantage you can get from, especially having music. Um, and you know a nice action-packed or whatever uh, video trailer for your book. Um, again, our the younger generation they aren't actually going to to Google and Yahoo to find things. They're going to YouTube and doing a search, whether it be to find out you know what technology products they should be using. You know what do you think of an iPhone or you know looking for video reviews or whether they're looking for you know content for entertainment um if they see a video and it's about a book they find is it they think might be interesting then they'll click at the end of the book end of the video and go buy the book it's a strange thing you know it's it's really cool to see how everything's happening but um when i was uh when i first started writing when i was like 17 or 18 i just i never envisioned any of this stuff um you know because Back then, it was like the books that were in the library and the records and tapes that my friends had. Yeah. Said, you know, that's that's how we shared stuff. So with the uh, with the journal, right, with with the Cabildo Quarterly, uh, it's one page. It's eleven by seventeen. So I can I can print up a thousand of those 
for like a hundred bucks and then just leave them places, you know? Yeah. Cause I, I was always like, I was always really smitten with like the discovery aspect of, of digging and sort of finding authors or finding bands. So I, I want to, Oh yeah. Yeah. That physical artifact thing I think is really important. So uh, I got the idea from a guy named Todd Dills who lives in Nashville. He does a journal called the second hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he just leaves his journal places, you know, and if you happen to find it, you can put it in your bathroom and read it. And, you know, because that's what broadsheets are for, you know, they're oh, okay. to be read in the bathroom. So, uh, so I'm, I'm just ripping off his idea with his blessing, basically. I might be ripping off that idea, too. <laughs> yeah, get some, uh, get some photos and, and just leave them places. Yeah, I love it. Well... And a uh, funny story, I, I know people that have worked in the subway system in New York City and they just kind of happen to, you know, leave their business cards laying around on the seats of the train. <laughs> There's a guy in uh, Williamsburg named Leviticus who does these paintings and he just leaves them places. Wow. The whole painting? Wow. Yeah. I'm not sure if he's still doing it now, but years ago he was. Uh, you know, people would take his stuff home and be like, oh, check it out, I've got a Leviticus. Wow. That that would be, I, I'd be, like, somebody left a painting here. <laughs> <laughs> should we turn it into the lost and found, or what should we do with it? Um, those are all great ideas. All right, so if you had advice for someone who was just getting started as an author, what would you what would you recommend that they do? What's your advice uh, for them? My advice is to uh, read as widely as possible. You know, don't pigeonhole your reading habits into like, you know, postmodern European blah, 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 or whatever. Read, you know, magazines, newspapers, cereal boxes, classics, trash. Read everything, and whatever's supposed to stick out of everything will stick. And it's okay to be influenced by people you know it's uh when you're starting off it's okay to rip off people it's okay to write a short story that you're trying to sound like Kurt Vonnegut or whoever it's probably not going to be a good story but whatever's supposed to stick from that person's style will wind up sticking uh you have to keep the same hours you know it's like try and write five or six days a week at the same time every day uh even if nothing is coming out sit at your desk have a computer that's not hooked up to the internet because it's impossible <laughs> to work. Um, I think that's the best advice ever. <laughs> yeah, it's so easy. Like, you can get a, if you go down to Salvation Army, you can get a, a desktop computer that doesn't have an internet hookup for like 20 or $30. And wow. you, can get work, you get work done that way. Yeah. Right? Uh, and, you know, find the people who aren't jealous of what you're doing and listen to their criticism. That's a good. That's another good point. Do you work with any critique groups, or do you just have family and friends? Or uh, right now, I have uh, I have like a, a, a small network of people I show stuff to. Okay. Uh, when I was in grad school, I was doing an MA at University of Maine. Um, sometimes people have agendas, you know, and yep. sometimes people want to like. You know, because of the work you're doing or the work that they're not doing, sometimes people's vanities get in the way of, of your work if you let them. So just don't let them. Right. That's that's great advice. Make sure that um, the person that's that's giving you advice is not 
doesn't have an ulterior motive. Right. <laughs> um, and I think that now as part of as part of your group of people that you show your work to are some of them not writers because I'm thinking that well like with some of the early things that I did I showed them to people that weren't family and but were friends but that had no you know they were not involved in writing in any way and I just wanted them to see if they enjoyed it I think it's only within the past couple of years that I've uh, met people you know are writing at like kind of the same level as me you know people who are peers of mine instead of like uh, friends who don't write or friends who write way above my head okay it, it helps to have peers but uh, at the same time like you know uh, one of my buddies is a crossword puzzle constructor and he knows words pretty well so I show him stuff and I have friends who are musicians and they uh, you know musicians tend to produce at a much more rapid pace than writers do because of the nature of the work um, I think it helps to have people from all different disciplines. If you're just, again, like, if you're only reading 20th century, 20th century you know, French modernism, you're going to get sort of penned in. And if you only show your work to writers, you're going to get penned in also. Yeah, because they'll be looking at it from their viewpoint instead of from the average reader's viewpoint. So, yeah. Are you involved in any of the um, book social networks like do you have your book listed on goodreads and shelfari and do you have regular interaction on there or are you sticking mostly with mainstream social media like facebook and twitter uh i had a goodreads account that i neglected for a number of years which was really dumb i think that's a it's a really good way to get in touch with people who are reading your stuff so i've started that up again um i've never done shelfari uh i i do post uh I have a Tumblr page, so my Tumblr feed gets fed right into Goodreads. And this is crazy, but it's 2012, and I didn't have a mailing list up until January. So now I have a mailing list, and I said... <laughs> I was going to say shame on you, but you got it going, so there you go. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it's so basic that I didn't think of it. Um, yeah, it, it is really basic, and we kind of always assume that, like, with social media, we can always get in touch with people. And then you all of a sudden realize that, oh, wait, there's all these other people. And you can put it in the back of your book to have people come to your website and sign up to get notices of your uh, future work, which, of course, is also a great way to get traffic uh, from people offline and get them involved in your online activities. Um, Shofari is kind of built into Amazon. That's why I was kind of wondering, because I haven't taken the time to do much with it. I've done a couple of giveaways on Goodreads, and um, I'm actually in the middle of trying to talk to some people uh, about how they're using those services. So that's why I was curious. Um, as, a, as an author and, you know, what I recommend to people, I just want to know if Goodreads is worth uh, sinking the time into or if there's one that I don't know about that, you know, is where people are all hiding. <laughs> um, there's a lot of niche, uh, niche social media popping up. Yeah, there is. Um, yeah, Goodreads is there. Amazon has Author Central. Uh, which is really cool and depressing at the same time in some ways. <laughs> like, Explain that. <laughs> well, if, it's, uh, it's either cooler depending 
or depressing depending on which side you're on. Like um, the day, like if you haven't sold a book for a week or something, you can you can sort of chart your progress, and your your book falls down to like number eight hundred thousand or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. And then you sell one copy, and then if you click on it like at the right time. It goes up to like a hundred thousand, so you're like, "Oh, check it out! My book has gone up seven hundred thousand places today." Right? Yeah, and then tomorrow it's back down to six hundred. <laughs> There's some algorithm that like maintains like a, a steady decline, you know, so you don't drop all the way at the same time. Okay. But in life, you don't really get much of a chance to go up seven hundred thousand places in anything aside from on Amazon that I've found. You know? Right. Uh, so, but if you haven't, if I haven't sold a copy of a book for a month, God forbid, uh, it's like you are number two million two hundred. <laughs> you know, it's like so. That's the depressing part. Like, uh, oh, okay, those numbers can can drive you crazy if you let them. And like, same thing with reviews. Like, if if you if you're a person who wants to see how you're doing, it makes sense to you know to ego surf yourself and to try and find your name on there. But if you do that on Google or any other page. You run the risk of uh, reading really unflattering stuff about your work, so you know it's a it's it's a crapshoot. It's up to you as a writer to decide if you want to do that or not. Okay. Um, and one last question I'll ask you: um, In your mark, you've talked a lot about some of your really cool marketing efforts, but what are some of your online marketing efforts um, that you do? Uh, as far as online marketing stuff goes, I just try and talk to as many people as I can. Um, okay. I sent out uh, reviews to uh, people who I thought were, were sympathetic reviewers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've sent out some reviews, uh, review copies cold to people uh, who asked for solic- solicitations. Um, I've sent some to my favorite writers and stuff like that. Uh, so, you know, I don't... I don't know. It's it's funny to talk about like my my marketing presence because I just feel like I'm you know trying stuff out at this point. I don't have a strategy or a team or anything. I'm just doing all this myself. Uh, but I'm just trying to you know instead of just catering to like mid '90s emo blogs or whatever, I'm trying to get in touch with as many people as are interested. So I guess okay. that's my marketing thing. Good, I like it because you're you're broadening your view and you're not just trying to stick with and and there's you know there's people that would argue either way but I think that um, I guess some people would call it the shotgun approach but you never know who's going to be someone who's going to like your book so you know I think that marketing it outside of what you perceive to be your readership can be very valuable because you can find people that are your readership that you didn't know. We're gonna that we're gonna enjoy your book. So, all right, very cool. Well, do you have any parting thoughts that you'd like to leave with uh, all of our anxious authors that are listening to this? That are all gonna go running over to Kickstarter now and try to crowdsource their book or their book tour. <laughs> uh, just keep doing it. Be immune to indifference, and if it doesn't work out the first time, then uh, you're in very good company. <laughs> Don't worry if your first draft is horrible, because even Stephen King got turned down a whole lot. Before That's part of the process. It. Yeah. Yep. Right. It's part of the process of getting better. Be open to communication, and don't worry about the box. Think, think that they're. Don't try and write inside the box. 
All right. Well, where can people find you on the internet? A lot of our people listen to us via um, podcatchers, and they don't actually see the show notes right away. So uh, why don't you tell them uh, where they can find you and your books? All right. So uh, my my novel Hidden Wheel is available through uh, Three Rooms Press dot com. Uh, Double Nickels on the Dime is part of the 33 and a Third series. Uh, David and John Mark run a really good blog, which is uh, 33third.blogspot.com. That's got news on the series. Uh, I have michaeltfornier.tumblr.com, and I have cabildoquarterly.tumblr.com. That's my literary journal. Uh, you can go to that page for submissions. Uh, on Facebook, I'm just backslash... Fournier, right? I was there at 12.01 a.m., so I got my, my name. <laughs> and uh, on uh, Twitter, I'm X, Fournier X, because I didn't get there at 12.01. Ah, there you go. Um, all right, and we'll have all those links in the show notes for you as well. And as always, you can find us at bookgoodies.com, and you can find this podcast and the show notes, and you can leave us comments, and you can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash bookgoodies, and you can find me at twitter.com slash loxley, L-O-X-L-Y. And uh, as always, we like to thank GeekCast, G-E-E-K, what did I say? Geekcast. Geekcast. <laughs> okay. G-E-E-K-C-A-S-T dot F-M. Um, I can't believe I almost messed up the name of my most wonderful hosting company. Um, well, they're not a hosting company. They're a podcast website. And you can find all kinds of um, podcasts over there about marketing, uh, internet marketing, offline marketing, whatever kind of marketing you want to do. So thanks, everyone, for listening. We hope you learn. So get writing and have a great day. Okay, bye.